This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Ben Wilmer and you are listening to Every Step Along The Way podcast. So, evening everybody, welcome uh, to this very special Spaces, uh, trying to you know, plug the gap during the international break. Looking back at the, the busy summer that we've had, you know, the opening um, you know, half a dozen sort of League and Cup games that we've had, you know, six, seven games there, um, just going over and what we've seen, what we feel about the new players that have come in. Uh, I know Mike's uh, put something out on Twitter this week, just uh, on here, just to you know, X, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Um, just to try and get some um, some feedback into a few points, like you know your favourite moments so far, that kind of stuff. So we'll run through them, uh, and obviously the the floor's open to you all, got you guys as well. Anyone who wants to come on and have their say, you're more than welcome. Just throw you throw your sort of invite across to us, and um, and we'll definitely let you let you come in and uh, speak to us. The more the more the merrier. So the more the more interaction we get with you guys, the, the better these things generally are. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we may as well get straight um, straight into it, Mike. How how are you been, mate? Yeah, not bad, thank you. Um, I think it's been an interesting start to the season, um, which we'll come back to. But in answer to your question, mate, yeah, really busy week, uh, a lot of work done. Feels always feels weird on these international breaks because you know me damn very well. I don't give a toss about England. Um, I really, it's just, it's, I'd, rather, I'd rather be honest with you, right? I, I would rather have Stoke every week than worry about England. And is this the national team or just the country in general? <laughs> hey, don't try and go uh, make me, uh, you know, anti-British or whatever you want to do it. Uh, no, absolutely, it's the international team. I, I, and, did everyone can see now? This is what I have to put up with. This is why I have to edit out the pod every week. Your bat- bantering and bashing of the country. <laughs> I've Stop got steering. <laughs> no, he, he he's got a he's got a Union Jack fly above his house. He loves it really. Um, <laughs> well, yes, thank you, mate. And uh, Tom, you're also uh, joining us tonight. How are you, mate? Yeah, not bad, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What the England team? Are you looking forward to Harry Kane notching a couple of hat tricks this week? No, I'm not going to lie. I'm just saying it's unless it's the World Cup or Euros, I'm not interested at all. It's just not interesting at all. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think I think pretty much most people in the year they may they may take an interest in England, they may not, but I, I can't see many not preferring to uh, to be going to a state match this Saturday. 
than than you know having an England game on whenever I don't even know when it is. That's how so important they are. <laughs> I don't play Scotland sometime next week, don't they? Right. So enough about that. Anyway, let's get into this season. So uh, we've had a massive overhaul in the squad. Didn't we this summer? You know, we got a lot of players let go. And I think when they came back for pre-season training, I think we probably only had single digits in terms of first-team players. And, um, you know, I think as June went on, if you remember, coming towards the end of June, fans were getting quite... Um, it was, there was an increasing amount of, of worry and sort of uh, maybe a little bit of a stressing out about how few signings, well, none signs that we made um, and then obviously you know the, the small squad the season was only a few weeks away we didn't even have enough players to stick a side out the friendlies were about to start they were back for training we needed to get players in and I think obviously what had gone on in previous um, pre-seasons and that and obviously the, the, the last five six years of what we've had on the pitch there was a lot of worry wasn't there and I mean, the first signing that came through the door was Ender Stevens, wasn't it, if I remember rightly? Um, and obviously, he came in on the 5th of July. Now, Mike, on that 5th of July, when we made that very first signing, did you think that we would possibly in any way get another 17 through the door? Uh, well, simple answer is no. I mean, we all expected a bit of an overhaul. I think the initial numbers that got kind of, you know, flown out of there was it's definitely going to be around 10 uh, plus trying to, in, you know, install some of the youth players in, uh, whether they quickly realised that the youth players simply weren't good enough and they couldn't go down that route, I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, then soon it increased to 15, it, it's a push. And then, yeah, what, 17 or something, it ended up, as you said, at the end. Um, so, no, I didn't expect it to be like that. I think we were all very sceptical as well on, you know, Budget, we'd heard that, you know, obviously the, the three-year cycle for FFP was, or profit sustainability, whatever, whatever you want to call it, um, was in theory over uh, for, for the restraints that we had. Um, we knew we had potentially the suit of money, well, not potentially, we did have the suit of money. And then we've obviously taken on, you know, taken on some new fees and stuff. But until you actually see the club spending it, um, it's, it's another thing. And also, in fairness to... Everybody who was a Stoke fan, we didn't have a clue whether our current structure were even capable of spending the money correctly. And obviously, time will tell whether that is actually, you know, proved to be the case. But you know, we said this the other week. When you look at the list of players that he's brought in over the summer, um, the only one actually which came up for me was potentially Stevens as being the weaker of of the links. But even then, Stevens has started really well. So. I personally think on paper, in theory, and I use these very sceptical words because we get to see it in proper full flow, but I think it's been a bloody good summer. Money spent well so far, should we say. Yeah, indeed. And, I mean, we followed that up, we followed that signing up with the the signs of Ben Pearson on the 8th of July, Matthew Rose on the 17th, Daniel Johnson on the 19th. Now, Tom, at this point... Those four players are what for experienced players, for British central players, um, for very typical Alex Neal players, aren't they? Where do, where do you think the switch came from? Mate? Where do you think it all changed? Uh, obviously, because what I come after it was was well, nothing. I don't think anyone expected it, did they? 
Yeah, to be honest, I think I alluded to it in a previous pod. Um, I think it was kind of a mixture of the signings were between Alex Neal and obviously Jared Dublin getting involved as well. Um, when you're signing that many players, you've got to have players that you trust and it feels like Alex Neal brought in some players that you know he's worked with already in um, Daniel Johnson and Ben Pearson. Um, yeah, to, when we got to that fourth signing, I was... Uh, you know, everyone was happy we got Pearson back on a permanence, but it was still a little bit underwhelming um, because it, it kind of looked like similar business to what we've done in the previous years. You know, players who were knocking on 30 on a free. Um, I think Pearson at that point was the only one I was actually thoroughly impressed with. Um, but yeah, obviously, like you say, it all changed from there on. I think for me, Tom, it, I think Pearson was absolutely instrumental uh, for, for us. I think we saw when he was in the team last season just how much of a rock he was. He was like a, a Joe Allen without the headless chicken uh, element to him. Like he, he knew where to be, when to be. He could cover for the players. He's such an intelligent player. And when we look at all the players that we'd signed up to that point, um, Pearson for me was the one man who I thought was absolutely essential. And there's, you know, on his day, there are no better defensive midfielders in this division for me. So I think that was a huge signing for us. Yeah, I completely agree. I think you know we were having the joke when we signed him. Everyone needs a Glenn Whelan, and he is he's filled that Glenn Whelan role. It's not pretty on the eye, but he does that dirty work. He he mops up when there's gaps. You know, you see when Hoover or Stevens are going forward a little bit, he'll drop in and cover that fullback position. Um, he didn't have his best game against Preston, um, so I can understand why some people, you know, weren't happy with that. But in my opinion, he is still massively key to this team because he does that day work that no one really notices. But when he's not there, you notice he's not there. Yeah, I think he's quite very quickly last season and. He will be this season such an integral part of, of the side. He's one of them players who maybe you'll notice him more when he's not playing uh, than when he is. And like I say, we, we're sort of saying there how we moved into new territories a lot of the time with the, with the signings that have come in. And Mike, I mean, just throw some names here. Well, I'll throw some names. I'll try and say some of them. So we've got sort of Haks Abanovich. Vidigal, uh, we've got Bay, uh, Wesley, May, Yonich, uh, Laris. Uh, just to, I think that they're the main sort of ones that have sort of come from sort of come from abroad. Who, in Wesley's case, you know, uh, obviously he came from the Premier League, but spends a lot of his career abroad. Um, and which one of those caught your eye before, and which one of those really sort of got the juices flowing, if you like, before? when we were sort of linked with them? I think I'd probably start off, Dan, by saying that also the strategy of those particular signings is is certainly different than what we're used to. We've actually brought in players who pretty much every single one of them had something to prove. Like people have pointed out before, you know, we've had journeymen, people have been here in the, in the early to mid-30s. You would probably look at them as coming for a bit of a wage. You know, you look at Wesley, he obviously has been out for a bad injury. He was signed for big money in the past. He's going to want to come here and have a point to prove. You know, is he someone that Stoke might want to sign me in, in 
you know, six months or whatever it may be? Um, or can I go back, you know, to my parent club and, and find my way into the, you know, Premier League again? I mean, it, it's, I think he was an interesting one, but a very different one, but a very interesting one for me, just to see how we were going to play. Because at times we were very one dimensional last season. We didn't have that target man at all. So to then have a target man, it meant we could add a bit of kind of extra, extra kind of, you know, just a dynamic play to the way that we are and we didn't have to be a one-trick pony. Um, taking him out of the equation, you know what, because they all happened around the same time or very, very quickly. Uh, obviously, we had the likes of Vidigal who we'd seen bits online. Um, so he was obviously one that kind of caught the eye, but no one really knew how he was going to probably blend himself to the to obviously English football in general. We've always obviously we've already seen the, the result of that. I just hope that he can he can bring that back. Um but I'll kind of finalise my little bit before you want to jump in. But uh the uh Juno is a very interesting one. I don't I, I don't remember any of them. I'm sure you probably would. I don't remember assigning any Korean players uh in the past. And when you think about like exposure uh, around the world, you know the you know, the Korean fans. They're the very um, very passionate fans. You know you've seen them, at, you know, Spurs in in their numbers. You've seen them at the likes of United. You know they they really follow their their international players. So that's going to open a door for Stoke. And the guy who came on for what 15, 20 minutes the, the other the other week. Um, and as much as we lost the game, like you 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 even notice it yourself. He he drops his shoulder. He's got the pace. He's got the movement. Like you can see a little bit of quality in him already. So I would say that he's probably surprised me more so because I, I, I would love to know what our selling point was been because apparently Champions League teams, Premier League teams, like if those teams are after you, what what's our USP? I'd lo- be great work, don't be wrong. Yeah, but yeah. It, said. The, he said. This was a team that he come to and knew that he would be able to get regular game time in straight away. Whereas if he went to the other clubs that were after him, he knew he'd probably have to sit and not do anything. And he basically doesn't want to waste his career not playing, which is commendable, really, you could say. Oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's commendable, absolutely. I mean, it's one of them, it's very easy to take the money because obviously all those other clubs are going to probably offer him a lot of money. Don't worry, I'm sure we're, we're offering him a pretty wage as well. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see how he pans out. Again, I think one thing I'd say with all these signings, and you've seen it from the response to obviously the Preston defeat is there's a lot of people who are very very happy just to jump down players throats after one bad performance or two bad performances again these players have not played with each other they don't know when to cover when to go when to stop yet but that's going to take time and I just hope the fans give them time Dan we've got some of the most impatient fans and we know this most people listening to this know we've got impatient fans I just hope we give them time yeah I think football fans in general are impatient but our uh, there seems to be times in recent years where that, like, if it doesn't become instant, it doesn't instantly happen that uh, people start getting on others back. I mean, that's the social media effect of the modern day. I don't know. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Now, I'm going to bring Dave in. So, Dave, you're a regular um, speaker and contributor, aren't you, on our Spaces chats? Uh, how are you, mate? You're right. Oh, very well, thank you, buddy. Thank you for having me on as, as usual. Um, no problem at all, mate. Um, we were just talking about these the new signings and that they've come in. Obviously, there's been you know, ne- nearly twenty in total, including obviously Chiquinho, who's uh, been and gone already. Um, which which one of them out of your you know, 
like the, the foreign lads who've come in and, and stuff, which, how do you feel like the excitement of it all? Like, I mean, it's a totally different transfer strategy than we normally have. Yeah, I, I, I think it's um, I think it's quite refreshing that we've we've been able to to sort of stray from the almost comforting mediocrity of of just bringing in exclusively sort of British players. The fact that we've been able to sort of move overseas and we've been able to to sort of tap into to the markets that we've never really done. You know, it is it is very very refreshing. Um, I mean, especially. Especially with uh, with Dajon Ho, um, funnily enough, uh, a mate of mine lives in in Daejeon in South Korea, um, and he's he's been going to to the games there for as long as he's been over. And uh, I spoke to him about um, Dajon Ho just before just before we'd really sort of had any concrete links to him, and he said he's he's going to be a top top footballer, and he showed the the glimpses of that. A, a home against um, Preston, you know, he had a little cameo, but there's there's a very very talented young man in there, and I think if he's got if he's got the application and the determination to oust anybody that can play in the positions that he can play in, I can see him being a regular starter for the whole season. And I mean, how old is it? I think he's twenty, but the the maturity that that he shows on the pitch. Is you know it, it's almost like he's got an old head on young shoulders. Yeah, it's it's really sort of um, it, it's really refreshing and exciting to see, uh, like I say, a lot of these players, especially sort of Bay and that in, in John Howe John Ho in that in that time he played against Preston. I mean, I turned to Mike. I think he'd only been on the pitch about six or seven minutes, and I said, I was like, oh, he, he unless we get our act together, he isn't going to be here very long. <laughs> He'll very quickly. Some people have their eye on him, uh, unless we start getting some some results and that. What What do you think? I mean, Mike mentioned it before about the selling point. What What do you think? Jared Dublin, Alex Neal, whoever's sitting down with all these players when they're bringing them into into the championship, essentially. Do Do you think we are selling ourselves as a springboard? Maybe. Um. It's 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 a very good question, actually. Uh, I'd I'd have loved to to have seen the the sort of negotiation stage, and and how they have sold the club, but I think with the with the signings that we've made, that they've been nothing short of ambitious. You know, there's there's players that we'd have we'd have never expected to to join us in the championship that we've we've managed to get a hold of. Um, you know that. Jared Dublin and and Alex Neal and and Coetzee, they, they've obviously got some big plans for the club, and I, I think as I think as a young player coming to Stoke or you know a player in their their sort of early twenties, if if you're looking at us and you can see we've we've restructured the club pretty much from the top down, you know it's 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 got to be something that you'd look at as a footballer and think these are planning on making some big strides, and. If, if if I was a, a young footballer like like Bay or I mean Haksabanovic is only I think he's twenty three twenty four, you, you'd look at Stoke and you'd think could, it could be an opportunity for me to, to to springboard like you say, but at the same time you'd be thinking to yourself these are really sort of making a concerted effort to 
to sort of move away from being the the mediocre sort of joke club. You know, we, we've come we've come down. We've struggled for for five six years now, but yeah, it's it, it, it's it's just got to be the way that we're setting the club up now. We, you know, we're being ambitious. We're we've we've restructured and you know we've we've got a good coach that that wants us to to do well so yeah it's it's got to be something like that yeah definitely i mean mike uh, i was going to bring you back in uh, you know if you what what your thoughts are obviously on what dave's just said there first of Dave, well done for pronouncing that name uh, correctly, <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I was I was on YouTube uh, making sure that I was pronouncing it right. <laughs> You've been practicing that all day. I get you. Um, so yeah, uh, what I'm intrigued to know because it was very clear that he did not know English. Now I'm keen to understand. I mean, firstly, as a club, surely we will help support him with that. We'll give him English courses. Um, do you think not knowing English will be tricky in the short term? Or do you think it's one of them things where a player just knows how to play and he will just mould himself into it? Because that's the whole point. You know, the man management side of the game is huge. So do you think that's going to be a big issue, Dave, or anyone really, I guess? Well, I, I, I think, like I say, he's, he's very mature in the way that he plays and the way that he was making himself available for to, to pick up the ball and run at the, the defence and, and the way that he was sort of making that nice little link-up play in and around the box. I think as a, as, as a footballer, as a decent footballer, you, you, your feet do a lot of the talking on the pitch. You know, you put yourself in the positions where you can pick the ball up and, you know, you, you make yourself available. And like I say, any any good footballer can, can read exactly what another player is going to do as and when they need to do it. And and the way that Bay was moving, you know, he, he was fluid. He was fluid with his motion. And he, he's obviously got a decent understanding of the players that are around him because when Stevens was making those little sort of overlapping runs, it's just that sort of quick glance over the shoulder. He doesn't even need to understand what the call is for the pass. He knows where he needs to play it. And he knows where players are going to move into. Um but I mean, on on the language front, it's it's a bit of a tricky one because in in South Korea they do teach they do teach English as a second language. So I'd assume um, he'd sort of have the the, the basics narrowed down. But we'll, we'll probably support in the same way that um, that Harry Kane's been done at, at Bayern. He'll probably be taking English classes, and you know that we've got we've got a good. A good, well-molded squad that that are going to support him as well. You know that the, the yeah. early sort of the early sort of training videos. You know Wesley seems to have taken a bit of a liking to him, and I, th- I think it's going to be the foreign players. You know your Vidigals, your Wesleys, that that their English isn't their native language, but you know they know what it's like to be in a club where the language that they speak isn't the the dominant one. And and I'm sure they're going to help him on the the way that he needs to be helped on. I just hope that we've learned something from our times with the likes of Diego Arismendi. Now I don't know how many people listening to this remember that, but Arismendi obviously came over here as a, as a young lad and basically was shoved in a hotel and kind of left to rot from from bits that that I heard and 
didn't really, he, he, I think from what I understand, he didn't necessarily maybe integrate himself as, as much as they could have done. But I think, again, part of that was a bit of a language barrier. And I just hope that over the years, we've we've learned how to look after our foreign players a little bit better um, and got that right. Because, again, we've got a whole team full of foreign players who are all going to have different levels of English skills and understanding and culture to, to change, which is another reason why players take a while to, to, to settle in. Um, so I just hope we've learned a lesson there, to be honest. We've we've probably made some mistakes. We've got a different team in place. And surely, you know, the likes of, of Jared will be in, you know, instrumental to, to helping these people settle in. Yeah, I'm sure they will be. I'm sure that, like I say, we, it's a completely different setup at the club now, isn't it, to Arismandi and And, you know, I think those reports came sort of from him, didn't they? And direct, so you, you, you may have an axe to grind, I don't know, but I suppose you know, you can't get much more than out of the uh, the straight out of the horse's mouth, so to speak. I, I think, um, well, so, so, sorry to interrupt, mate. I, I, I think with um, I think with a lot of foreign players as well, you know, it's sort of similar to to Ramadan Sobby when when he came to Stoke. I, I think there was a I think there was like a general understanding around around the training ground that. His English wasn't very good when he came over, but he wasn't interested in learning the language. And I think with with Bay, he's obviously got a very good work ethic. And if his work ethic's as good as it is off the pitch as it is on, I'm, I'm sure he's going to make a concerted effort to to sort of make himself an established part of the squad. And you know, it's it's all about that that attitude on and off the pitch. You, you can be. You can be a world class footballer on the pitch, but you know, if you don't apply yourself off the pitch and and sort of make that spot in the team your own, then you you're gonna struggle. And that's sort of what happened to Ramadan. You know, he had he had the glimpses of being a good footballer, but he just wasn't interested in sort of integrating himself off the pitch. Yeah, it was all sort of like in spirits, wasn't it, with, with Sobe. He'd, he'd come and he'd have a couple of good games and then be anonymous. You know, once he got a sort of a run in the side, he, he'd be anonymous. It'd only be when he'd fallen out of favour that he really really did anything. Um, he ended up being quite frustrating, to be honest. When he went to Huddersfield, he didn't do anything, did he? And he's obviously ended up back, uh, I believe, back in sort of Egypt and that now in, in the uh, sort of Northern African leagues. So, also see how he gets you know obviously best luck to invest for his career but I don't think he'll be gracing uh, gracing us over here will he and obviously from what you were saying there David didn't sound like he uh, was too too keen on taking in the uh, the culture and the language and that whilst he was here um, Tom I saw you had your hand up a while ago is there anything else you want to add to the uh, transfer wise mate no no I was just going to add to the um the Bay John Ho stuff. Uh, one thing I did notice when he came on, I was a bit worried about if he could deal with the physicality straight away. Um, but one thing I will say, he had some very large defenders on him at all times and he was holding them off so well. Um, so in terms of physicality, I think he looks like he's up to speed. Didn't you know what? I was... I was actually going to lead in with that comment to you as well and ask you about that because I noticed it straight away. The one thing for me, the main worry when I see players coming into, especially the championship, um, from who spent their entire career in sort of foreign leagues, is that the the pace can be so quick 
and and the physicality levels are usually a lot higher than what what they've been playing, and it's you know no matter how good they are technically, it can swallow them up. Granted, it can sort of you know swallow up, spit them out before they know it. it you know they've they've sort of you know, twelve fifteen games in, and, and sort of you know the confidence is in tatters, and people have written them off and whatever. And I think with him. To see him coming in, and he was going up for headers once. He was jumping into people, and uh, you know, he was sliding in. He was holding, like you say, big people. You know, people knew twice his size. He's old. He's, he's holding him off, and he's got two, you know, two men on him, one either side. He's sort of protecting the ball. And, you know, he wasn't sort of you know, take, taking a kick and rolling around any of that business. He, he really did look. It was really promising from that because I thought if he's nailed that so quickly, then. The, the future is very bright for him, to be honest, um, because that would that obviously you can see you can see the technical side of his game. Um, it was for me, it was whether he could adjust physically, but the early signs are very promising. Um, right, I think we've sort of we've sort of gone through all the transfers there, haven't we? I think we've been slide now into when the season started. So obviously we did we had. Pre-season, didn't we? And um, I know my, me and you went to Notts County, and we you know, we, we sort of watched watched us put five past them. Even though you know they, they looked very very ropey at the back that day, didn't they? They really weren't much to shout out. Um, I think you sort of said there that day, didn't you? That a lot of the younger players who came on for the second half, if anything. Not that they didn't. Not not saying they didn't play well, like uh, they had bad games as such, but the level um, and in sort of technique, ability, fluency, moving the ball, game awareness in the team that were professionals in the first half, and that team of young youngsters in the second showed that quite a lot of them, if not all of them, were a distance off being ready to play Championship football. You know, you pretty much took every single word out of my mouth there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the, there was one, maybe two, and one of them was Wright Phillips, who has already been in the championship with us and uh, arguably failed at Northampton. So how good can he really be? But, uh, yeah, I mean, for, for, for me, no. I I think you can very clearly see, was it a Cagboo uh, at the back? I'm trying to... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. centre-back, um, yeah. It, again, like, didn't look great. Blondie will never be a championship goalkeeper as long as I'm alive. I'm telling you that right now. Um, he is just not good enough. Simple as that. So we didn't, we don't really have another backup goalkeeper. Defense didn't look great. I know they've gone out a couple of them have gone out on loan. Fine, maybe it's something that they'll develop. Long, long way to go. Um, Try to remember who was playing. Uh, right, was it left back four? Was no right back? Was it Macari? Um, McCarry not... played the first half. Tom Edwards played the second half. So Tom looked out of his depth. Um, in fairness to him, he was playing with a bunch of kids, so it doesn't help. Um, McCarry was the one who actually came out with a little bit of credit from that. I mean, you were luckily right in front of a lot of his work, and he seemed to, you know, good link up play, good attacking play. Um, so I don't think, you know, I think his contract's pretty much running out now anyway, but I personally would have given him maybe another year. Um, or so, unless I've missed something completely. But uh, again, I think he looked pretty solid. The rest of them, it was a shame for Tezgal because he, I think he was really, he's an intelligent player and I think he was starting to try and 
work his way in there. The problem he's going to have now, even when he is fully fit, is I think he's not going to get back into this team. So he's going to have to be somebody we can try and get out on loan or, or, or something. Um, but again, you spot on everything else that you'd said prior to me even opening my mouth. Um, we were so far off having any decent young players coming through. Um, it was, you can understand why sometimes, you know, we, we need to develop our own players, but why we have to go out and buy people because what's coming through now, you know, Sidibe obviously being an exception, is the quality just isn't there. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the rest of pre-season just running through, we had uh, very underwhelming, really. Uh, we had sort of a draw at Levante on the spot of a sort of week-long, a week-long uh, jolly in, in Benidorm. Well, it was for the fans anyway. <laughs> I'm sure they went very hard. And then they came back and obviously there was the 3-0 defeat at Derby, which sort of came out of nowhere. It sort of popped popped a few sort of balloons and stuff. Then people were getting, uh, you know, we made a, few, a couple of signings at this point. I think we made a couple on the eve of it as well. I think we made about five. Um, obviously, we had the draw of Levante, big one over Notts County. We thought, you know, let's get some momentum going and then, boof, lost 3-0 at Derby. Like, well, where's that come from? A terrible performance, terrible defending. Um, we sneaked to one with up Burton and then obviously had the late soccer points from Everton. Um, the meant we lost the last friendly we had. So, Tom, going into that first game of the season at home to Rotherham, how were you feeling at that point? Um, in all honesty, I'm never really bothered about the pre-season games. Um Obviously, if you win, it's good for momentum. If you lose, it's it's just a pre-season. That's how it works, isn't it? Um, I think the Everton performance, I know Everton are the best and, in my opinion, are destined for the drop this season. But, you know, losing to a last-minute goal, not really a poor thing. Like, you can't really complain about it. Um, and I knew as it is every year as soon as you go into the first game of the season it's going to you can go either way and pre-season doesn't really have any effect on it um, but I was I was confident at the same time I thought to myself you know it is a new squad I was preparing myself for a loss especially after last year when we absolutely battered them and still lost 1-0 somehow um, we are obviously pleasantly surprised when we came out 4-1 winners well, I, what I thought, you know, actually about that Everton game, Tom, um, I could totally agree with you because I thought Everton were absolutely appalling. How they came away winning that 1-0, well, I think first of their goal was offside, if I remember rightly. Um, but either way, like, they were dreadful. And I was like, well, if this is how we can play against a supposedly Premier League team, um, then I can't wait for Rotherham. That was my response to that because I actually thought we played really well. And another day, we easily beat Everton. Um, so I went in to Rotherham with a, a lot of optimism, to be honest. And I know we would, you mentioned about the stats previously and 25 shots and all that. Um, it was weird. I said to Dan and a few other people, I have never been so absolutely sure that we were going to win comfortably. Never. That I was convinced it was going to be a walk in the park. As it turned out, it was. But I don't know whether it was excitement for the season or um, blind optimism or whatever it thinking was. But I've never been so convinced that we were going to beat Rotherham. Yeah, to be honest, I think it was more pointing out the front in case it did happen again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think 
you know, as soon as, soon as you don't win that first game against Rotherham, you see, oh, we've got so many new players, that's the excuse, the excuse you're going to use. Um, but yeah, I think it was more just preparing myself. Um, but I know we got the early goal, but to be honest, within the first two minutes, I thought to myself, we're getting absolutely hammered easier because we were playing some lovely stuff straight away. Um, and in a way, I think that's what's making the recent results more gutting is the fact we've played Rotherham twice we've absolutely annihilated them both times playing football we could never even dream of um, and then obviously games like Preston and Millwall uh, just couldn't score um, but yeah like, like everybody says it is going to take some time um, it might click one game it might not the next it's just one of them yeah, and we'll we'll sort of get on to sort of the more recent games. Um, but Dave, Dave, just sort of speaking to you again. I mean, how were you feeling then, mate? So we've, we've sort of heard how how Mike and Tom were going in that Rotherham game. I mean, was it was it excitement uh, for a new season, plenty of new faces, um, a complete overhaul of the club, so to speak, um, and a lot of positivity positivity around that going into the Rotherham game, or were you more worried that Charity FC and and obviously um, games we should on paper probably be winning and not winning, which has been quite a popular thing for Stoke to do in recent years, um, was was that more of a concern for you? Um, I, th- I think I, th- I think a bit of both. To be fair, you know the I mean I'd, I'd got on the train. At, 10 o'clock in the morning heading up to the ground and on the way up I was I was optimistic I was excited I, I was you know I was really looking forward to it um, and that that remained the same until about half past two and then when it when it got to to coming through the turnstiles I was thinking I, I was hoping and praying that it wasn't going to be the the stoke at home that we've come to know over the last few years and it, it wasn't until the sort of first two minutes of the game that I was starting to think this is going to be a really, really good side this year. And it, I, I think it was mainly down to, I'm, I'm sure Neil gave them a bit of a pep talk before the game and said, it's your first game at home, you know, go out and show the fans what they can expect from you this, this season. And from, from the first whistle, we just looked so comfortable and, I, I I went up with uh with my father-in-law and uh I mean he's an Arsenal fan and I know that there's been a bit of a contentious relationship between between our two clubs over the years but even he turned around after about half an hour and he went I don't understand how you've been in this league for for as long as you have if you play this kind of football and I had to turn to him and I said I feel like I need to pinch myself because it it was it was almost like a dream seeing us play the the fluid pass and move football and it wasn't the the normal sort of oh, balls on the halfway line I haven't got anybody to look forward to so I'll just go backwards you know we were we were looking up we were creating those nice little pockets of space to move into and and we were we were playing the basics but we were making them look we were making them look like they'd been done by a master tactician. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was just a joy to watch, and it's it's the first time I've been up to Stoke. Like, like Mike said, 
it's the first time I've been up to Stoke for for a number of years now, and I've just thought I can't believe what I'm watching. Yeah, it's, it's just just a complete, let's like say, shock to the system and a complete change in in mentality. And it was like you could see there was a new club on it. There was no sort of old scars from the previous campaigns. Um, there was no sort of baggage or anything like that. It was complete refresh, new start. And even sort of the players, um, you know, people like Josh Lemon, Ben Wilmot, who'd been around um, last season and then obviously Ben been here a couple of years, there was, it, it was as if like they'd all got on board with everything new. They'd forgotten what had gone before. They were just enjoying playing in this in this new fluid side. Um, I mean, Tom, uh, you got something? So you want to say? Yeah, I just I just wanted to add on to that one thing that was amazing to see, unlike like previous seasons, is as soon as we conceded a goal, we did not put our heads down at all, and we went back and we got another one. In previous seasons, we could have drawn that three three. Because if we still had the same squad as last year, their heads would have gone and gone, oh, it's happening again. Um, I think it's happened three or four times in the last couple of years where we've gone three or four up and ended up drawing. Um, yeah, but just wanted to bring that one out. Yeah, the key- I, I remember saying to you, Mike, didn't I, when he went 3-1 in like, was it the 47th minute. And I just said to you, it was like tongue-in-cheek. I thought, Stoker back, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time, do you know what I think the the main difference was? Um, and it's not just been that game. It's been throughout the whole season so far. The main key difference this season has been that fan base. I've said a few times now, I think our fans are back because previous years, I think we've been constantly had all the enjoyments smashed out of us for year after year after year. And I think all the stuff off the pitch, the bits that we were seeing on the pitch were great. When we conceded that goal, the first thing that happened was the Stoke fans roaring the players on, applauding, um, etc. Previous years, there's grumbles, there's moans, there's people probably, you know, pointing fingers, players probably pointing fingers. There was none of that. It was okay, we conceded, so what? Let's go again. Um, and for me, that's been huge. And I, I'm so glad to see the atmosphere back. You know, against West Brom and the Cup, the atmosphere was was really good. Um, the whole season has been good. But that, for me, is the one difference that I've noticed off the pitch that is going to be huge. They talk about the you know the 12th man and all that. Um, it really can make a difference. And I don't think people probably appreciate it. But that was just the one thing that I got from that Rotherham game was great fans again are back finally yeah it was I think like I said the, the, the support there this last season I know you said about sort of, sort of being downtrodden and reacting in a negative way when we conceded I think to be honest I think sometimes there was just no reaction at all was there it's just like people had given up they didn't really to a large extent they didn't care. He was like, oh, well, we've conceded yet again. This is what happens. Come every week, this is what happens. What I see. Oh, well, I'm used to it. Bothered. Not. <laughs> that seemed to be how, how people were going at the time. And, and I think, do you know what? The the club have made steps to to a, 
re- sort of reconnect with the fans. They've brought excitement here. They've brought freshness. And they basically said, you know, this is a new chapter. And I think the fans will get on board with that. They proved that they'll get on board. There was nothing in last season, the last 18 months, two years, for fans to get on board with. And I think... I don't think that was, uh, to be honest, I don't think that was Michael O'Neill's fault. I don't think that was Alex O'Neill's fault. I think if you want to look at the reasons why that is, it's a sort of a legacy thing from uh, Nathan Jones and Gary Rowett's time at the club and sort of overspending there. Now, whether you blame the managers for that or whether they blame the people who were in charge of the finances, that's entirely where where you sit on that fence. Um, But for me... I, th- I think now everybody again is on the same page and I think that's going to be massive moving forward because I think if you want to win if you if you want to get promoted for this division or at least get near doing that you've got to win games and to win games in this division you've got to you've got to break teams down because a lot of teams will come here similar to how Preston did on the weekend and they'll sit back and they'll wait. For, they'll want you to break them down. And if you can't, when you lose the ball, they'll try and hit you on the break. It's a very common thing in the championship, and it's something we've struggled with for the what six years now, six seasons, six seasons. And if we are going to get out of this three, we've got to be able to take risks to break those kind of defenses down. And when you've got supporters who moan and groan when there's when there's passes that go awry or or you know you lose faith quite and this isn't a dig up fans because it's been it's not it's not happened overnight it's it's been beaten into you know a lot of the fan base over a long period of time and been let down so many times again and again and again that eventually you get to that state it's just it's just human nature um but it's a lot easier for players to take risks knowing that if they come off like I saw, for example, Preston the weekend, Berger passed the ball out of play from, and there was, there was literally no, it wasn't near anybody. I think he put it between um, Campbell and and Stevens, and it literally yeah. just like it was like fifteen yards behind Campbell and about ten yards in front of Stevens, and he got applauded. <laughs> I sort of laughed. I thought, oh, he would have got a very different response if he'd done that six months ago. The the, the point I was sort of trying to make was that the fans aren't looking to get on players back right now they're looking to support them and I think when you do make if you know that that's, a, that's going to be the reaction when you make a mistake then I think it's a lot easier to take risks in that case and when you take risks you've got a more chance of taking making opportunities to score goals score goals you'll win games and then you'll start getting somewhere and I do think that people maybe especially in recent years players when they have gone sideways, they have gone backwards, it's because they're too scared of going forwards and risking losing the ball. Um, but yeah, that becomes some strength. That becomes the strength of a footballer in, inside and to and be able to to put that to one side and just play their game. Um before we sort of move on, obviously we've got the Rotherham game, it was obviously fantastic uh, performance. It turned out to be Connor Foster's bottom message on just says uh, in the comments. Anyone else got anything, feel free, and we'll sort of get through as many as we can. Um, <laughs> I'll just sort of change it slightly. Uh, he put, I was bricking myself for the Rotherham game, um, but yeah, I'm sure, Connor, that you were not alone in that, mate. I'm sure there was many people who uh, could see, who woke up on that Saturday morning and foresaw another 1-0 defeat with uh, 30 shots coming from the from the Potters and, and one from the Millers. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean, we mentioned the cup game. We went into that. 
obviously with West Brom. It was interesting that we kept a lot of the side together, didn't we, Mike? And he, he showed that maybe he fancies a bit of a couple this year. Um, in the end, I think the one shining light of it, well, not the one shining light, because obviously Vinegal came on and, and sort of instantly shut up the baggies fans just after they equalised. They thought they were going to go on and, and do something. Um, but Sol Sadivi, obviously he was 16 years old, made his debut against Rotherham a few days before, and he sort of absolutely bossed that match, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, I think Sol, the one compliment you can kind of pay him is when he has played, he's, he's not looked out, out of place. Uh, which for a 16-year-old lad is pretty incredible, to be honest. Um, he's still got a lot to learn. I think you know he made a uh, a kind of a mistake, if I remember rightly, for the goal. I think he was just a, a bit asleep, uh, if I remember rightly. But still, yeah, he, he he did really really well. He didn't look out of place. Uh, I think he's going to struggle to get into this team this season now because of the players that we've got. Uh, but he's he's got a good future ahead of him, uh, to to be honest, Dan. And, you, and you're right, you know, Vidigal shut them up. Uh, quite nicely and hopefully not for the last time this season um, but yeah again it was a pretty decent performance you're right he kept the same team he was obviously looking for a bit of continuity uh, as, as much as he could but yeah I agree I think um, Sidibe is one of those younger players who's got a potential future with Stoke I think yeah he's uh, he's got a long road ahead but uh, if he can be as good as he is now uh, at this age then surrounded by all this flair, all these experienced players, the likes of Pearson next to him, you know, Loren next to him. He's he's got the right people, I think, to to help make him make him progress. Yeah, I was just gonna say Tom there, like you obviously um Souls, he's come in, he's the second youngest player to play in the championship this season. Um and when he has come on, you know, there has been a couple of cameos he's had in the league, he really he hasn't looked out of place, you know. He's not like he doesn't feel like Alex Neal's throwing him in there just, just as a sort of a token gesture. He does feel like he's there on merit, doesn't it? Yeah, Alex Neal said that himself. To be fair, he said, "I'm not one to just, you know, stick a kid in there just for, you know, getting the fans on the side or anything like that." He's there because he's earned it. Um, and yeah, on the back of what Mike said, I think you know, for a 16 year old lad. Um, you don't expect anything special. You know, if they can come on and look not out of place, that is as best as you can expect. Um, yeah, I, I think he's got a huge future. Um, but yeah, like I say, I mean, when I, when I watched him in the West Brom game, I think it was his attitude as well. Um, yeah, he's, I think there was... I said on the pod about the West Brom game, um, I think he got fouled once, you know, he's giving it back a little bit, he's arguing with the ref. Um, he's not like a timid character you'd expect from a 16-year-old, especially when you're up against, you know, 30-year-olds who've been playing in the Premier League previously. Um, he just, he didn't care. He focused on his own game and, yeah, he really shined that game. Dave, I mean, he's not the first one, is he, in recent times to come into this squad uh, from obviously the youth side, obviously local local lads as well. Sort of Emre Tezgal um, springs to mind. Uh, Nathan Lowe, although sort of not local from originally from down south, been with the youth team for a long time. Um, obviously, we've got Tommy Simkin. He's out on loan as well. I mean, what would you do with the lads who are still here? Obviously, Mike mentioned that there's that there's not going to be as much opportunity maybe to blood them and give them game time. Unless they give the manager that the headache where they you know they're working their way up the pecking order, 
Um, but with sort of Tezgal, Lowe, Sadibi, I mean, do you think they're too young to do anything? I mean, I know Sadibi legally is too young to out at the minute, but would you would you be looking at maybe getting them some experience elsewhere if, if the first team ops dry up? I, th- I think in terms of I think in terms of Tezgel and Lowe, um, like like you've already said, you know the the attacking options that we've got at the club at the moment is, you, you know, we're pretty stacked and we've got some very very good options. Um, so I, I think in I think on that front, um, it might it might be worth getting those two out on loan. Um, I, cer- I certainly don't think they're their their levels down in the sort of national league. I, th- I think they could easily go to a league two side and and stake a claim there for a season. And you know if if they can get the if they can get the numbers in to to prove that they should be in and around the the first team squad next season, then then so be it. It's 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 certainly a, a decent option to to go for. Um, Simkin, you know he's he's already impressing. Um, at Solihull, uh, the, the 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 numbers that he's already outputting are, are quite impressive, um, especially for for a young goalkeeper. And, and I, I think I think Bonham's contract's out next summer, so it wouldn't surprise me if he has a decent season at Solihull, which he's already having so far. Um, that he that he becomes um, our number two next season. Um, Sadibi. You know, it's it, he's already he's already made that claim for himself. Like we said, he he didn't look out of place against West Brom, and he sort of run that midfield. And he's he's another one of those those lads that's that's got sort of an older head on his shoulders. You know, his his dad played for the club. He, he's been with the club since he was what was it seven or eight or, or nine. He's 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 been with the club for a long time. He knows what it is to to be a part of Stoke. And you know he's 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 got heritage um, with the club, so he he knows when he pulls on that that shirt on a match day, that, that he knows his job, he, he knows who he's playing for, he's playing for for a club that that's close to his heart, um, and I, I don't think there's any reason to loan him out because I mean the the, the maturity again like he shows, is is second to none. Um, and, and and like my dad's always said, when it comes to young players, if you're good enough, it doesn't matter what age you are. You, you can you can slot yourself into that team, and, and you can become you can become a top top footballer. Just like just like Bellingham did at, at Birmingham, and you, you look at him now, four years on, he's he's played at, 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 in some of the biggest grounds in Europe on on the world stage. In Sadibi's case, that in in two or three years' time. If he carries on the way he's going, and and if he's still at Stoke, he could be, he could be the lad that, that's leading that team out onto the pitch on a match day. Sort of as John Dowd in the comments has put, he's he's got plenty of time. Uh, talking of, of Sadibi, uh, to come into the fold, he's 16 years old. He will be some player. Um, yeah, definitely agree with that, John. He's he's uh, got like I say a lot of time on his side, and we can sort of do you know just develop develop him at our rate and and uh, you know make sure the coaches are doing it at the, at the right rate and not pushing him too much and not letting him go stale at the same time. You know just. Making sure he ticks along nicely and uh, yeah, realizes that huge potential that we've seen. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So obviously after those couple of home wins, which were very welcome, and I think we needed those home wins that we spoke to we Mike about, you know, the importance of getting off to a good start at home with those two games. Um, I think we can probably throw the two away games in together, to be honest, and possibly even the game against Preston. There's three teams there, Ipswich, Millwall, Preston, three organised sides, three sides who are um, been together a while, would you say, um, who know each other's game very well. And what we've had is three defeats and not a goal score between them. Um, is that... Is that to be expected to a certain degree with the overhaul that we've had? Is it no surprise, as far as the Faraway saying, the fact that we've, you know, the three defeats we've had have all come to sides who, who know each other very well? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, you've, <laughs> you're very good at this. You, we, we've been working together for too long. Uh, you're right. You, we, we've got to say the same thing. So I think that is exactly what it is. Uh, Ipswich, they've obviously been formidable at home they're a team that's basically the same team as last season uh you know any any team i remember when leicester won the premier league like they won it from hard level any injuries they had some good players hard workers etc and they they went far with that as we know so that was the same principle for for the ipswich game uh you're right you know disappointing performance there but i just think they uh, they just said what we didn't and that was a, a wild child team uh, you're right again Right, Millwall, same scenario. Uh, Preston, unfortunately, same scenario again. Although the one difference for me, I guess, is Preston's second half. I, while people, I don't know, I don't, maybe I watched a different game, but some people said we were dreadful throughout the whole match. And I just thought second half, we 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 hammered them. Uh, we should have scored. I don't know how we didn't. Uh, you know, it, it was just one of them games. It was nothing more for me than we were against well-organised, well-jowled, well-oiled teams. And I, again, give give us give us a few weeks. I reckon we'll be perfectly fine and we will start to to maybe ground, grind out them games because the Watford one for me was, was, again, good. You saw us jowling and you also saw then the other side of it where, for example, Pearson was out, if I remember rightly. Thompson was there. We talked about Henry being absolutely murdered. At right back um, because he wasn't having any support and cover so again we didn't have that jolly Thompson didn't know what to do uh, so it, we had scenarios like that um, but but Dave I'll, I'll bring you in maybe I drowned up for, for a bit Yeah I, I, I just wanted to touch sort of quickly on the Ipswich game um, I, th- I think quite quite a large percentage of our fans went into that game sort of 
very naive as to what to expect with with Ipswich. And, you know, I, I think I had to sort of look at it from a realistic standpoint that they, they were the top dogs in League One last season. And the the games that I watched them last season, especially towards the end of the season, we I was looking at them and I was thinking they're going to cause some real, real problems this season in the Championship. And, you know, Portman Road is a very difficult ground to go to because they, they've always had an electric atmosphere. And it's it, they sort of remind reminded me when when we played them of of Stoke when we we got promoted to the Premier League you know it's it's a cauldron of noise and that they, they absolutely ran us ragged they they were they were hungry they were first to every ball every, every everything that we we won they they were they were closing us down like they were fighting for survival and I think I think our fans are going to be naive of that when we play Plymouth as well in December. You know these these teams that have been promoted for the first time in a long, long time, they're hungry, and anybody that comes onto their patch, they're they're gonna they're gonna treat them like you know public enemy number one. And you know the the Ipswich game, we were we weren't good. We we didn't get out of first gear for the entire game, and the the little chances that we did have. We showed the the glimpses of last season, the the hesitation, and you know that that was to be expected because I don't I don't think anybody expected that against Ipswich, um, but the one against the one against Millwall, you know I think if we hadn't have come out and had that that for the the second half that we did, a lot of Stoke fans would have jumped on the negative bandwagon, but we we were good second half, you know we 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 played we played the football that we wanted to play. Um, and we give it a real good go. So I don't think anybody was overly disheartened. But we second half, we gave it a go and we looked like a proper football team. And it, it's just about finding that consistency now. But we, we've brought in a squad and a half of players and no football club has ever done that and, and turned into a dominant force in that league in 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 just a few games it's going to take us maybe four or five weeks to to really sort of settle in and by the time the international breaks been and gone that'll be that'll be those sort of four or five weeks and we should come out of that looking like a real force to to be reckoned with uh, i'll just come to you tom but very quickly man very very quickly uh, are you planning on upsetting the plymouth fans the same as you did the ipswich fans me, <laughs> um, I, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Something to look forward to then, um, Tom. So, I mean, we've we've spoken there. I mean, uh, Dave's made some really good points as as Mike as well around. Obviously, you know the um, the the benefits of having continuity in your in your side and in your squad, and now that can sort of you know sway games in your favour, especially early doors in a season. Do you think, um, I mean, I noticed against Preston as well at the weekend, their defence, their midfield, everybody knew where the the guy to the left was going to be, everyone knew where the guy to the right on was going to be, uh, the guys behind him, in front of him. Everyone seemed, you know, it was very much um, a well-drilled side, a well-organised side. And what I saw from Stoke was I saw very good technical ability and players who who 
individually were trying to do things, but when they were trying to link up with teammates, quite often there was a delay, there was a one, two, two second delay of, is he going to make this run here? Does he want me to play the ball there? Who's who's the best person to play inside to? Who's going to be showing for space? And is it those things that are costers in games like Preston, like Millwall, like Ipswich, currently, that in time, when these players do get to know each other better, will hopefully cease and we will then be the, you know, taking advantage where the players get to know each other's game? Yeah, without a doubt. I think, for me, the, the Ipswich game, I kind of just <clears throat> I kind of just wrote that off, you know, we do on that run, the bit home, first home game back up. Um, I wrote that off. I think Millwall first half obviously wasn't good with the five in the back. And then second half, we changed the tactics and we looked great, just couldn't score. Um, and then obviously Alex Neal came out after that and said, you know, he was worried about changing too much too quick with the new guys. But, you know, second half proved he didn't need to. And then for the Preston game, for me, there's no doubt in my mind, and I, I, I imagine there's no doubt in anybody else's mind that we were the better side. It was just, like you say, you could tell who's been playing together for a while and who hasn't. Um, like, for example, I think the biggest example was when Gooch came on, Campbell didn't have a clue what was going on because he's, he's been playing with Hoover and then Gooch is a completely different type of player. And Campbell was just kind of stood there, like trying to guess what was going on, um, and that is going to come in time. And I, th- I think, I think Gooch was the same Monty as well. He was expecting Campbell really yeah. to make the run down the wing, and Campbell, as we know, is, is sort of when he's playing while well, he likes to stand and receive the ball to feet, doesn't he? And then well, sort of move there. Yeah, exactly. I think you know Gooch has just come from Sunderland. Whoever he's playing down the right with, which is probably Patrick Roberts, or it would have been. Um, the lad on loan from the United last season, I can't remember what his name is now. Um, they probably play a completely different style to what Campbell plays. So, you know, Gooch is making them runs, he's expecting Campbell to make certain moves. Campbell isn't used to doing that. And it, it's just going to come with time. Um, but for me, you know, we, we built up play while we got around the box. But as soon as we got to the box, it was, it was just kind of do I pass, do I shoot, do I run, do, do I wait? Um, yeah, it's, it's just. We've just got to wait until the, you know they understand each other better, and I think Alex Neal needs to find his eleven as well. Um, you know, I think with so many new players, they, they're not just getting used to one person that they're playing in front of or behind. They're getting used to multiple. Um, so yeah, it's just just got to ride it out, in my opinion. But from what I've seen, performance-wise, it, it's definitely going to come because we were the best side by far it was just you know they had the dodgy penalty which I won't go into too much but and then the second goal was simply I think it was one pass and the through um, so yeah I'm not too disheartened I am in the fact that we were the better side but at the same time it, it's just it's just we're just in that learning stage we've just got to ride it yeah we have and Talk sort of obviously learning stage and everything, and then sort of adapting and, and working out what's best. We, uh, Watford at home mentioned it before. We switched to five at the back and then kept that for the first half at Millwall. And uh, now against Watford, 
it might not have led to a great game. It was very scrappy and it was settled by a goal, a fantastic goal from Andre Vidal. Um, yeah, I think it was always going to need, it was always going to take something like that to win the game. Then obviously we've carried that same formation into Millwall. The manager switched his half time four subs, and sort of quite after the game and, and sort of basically hinted that that he was done with the fat five. Now, obviously, it got results against Watford. Can you see Mike where further down the line against sides? other side like maybe the, uh, for the same kind of threat as Watford that we would reintroduce five at the back ev- at home even um, I can see it I don't think it's gonna, he's going to necessarily want to do it but I think when we've we've got the likes of Gucci who will want to get himself forward uh, we've got obviously uh, Junior um, who again I think people have forgotten about because it was very last minute uh, of a deal but uh, I think Junior is a very attacking type of player attacking full back so that could work with the likes of Henry on the, on the other side so I do think we have that option I don't think I want it to be our go-to option especially when Alex Nils come out previous years and gone he was you know sorry last year rather he hasn't had any other choice but to play a formation that you know players weren't used to so he wants to go out and, and play his preferred formation and he's brought players to play in a preferred formation so I think it's good to have a plan B down but um, I don't really want us to be playing like that I, I see I see that you know you know the, the, the Man Cities of this world love the full back formation and all that it doesn't mean it's the only way of playing football so uh, yeah we've got the option but no I don't think we're going to be the norm or anything I want to see personally. We 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 now have the players to play a four three three. Quite we have enough to play six up front of this rate. Um but yeah, not not for me, Dan. Not long term. Talking of four three three and six. Um with one game we haven't touched on yet is Rotherham at home in the cup, uh, where we made it ten goals we score against them already this season. Um with that six one cup win. Now for me I think it was it's sort of a perfect and I wanted to I mean there were so many players who got themselves off the mark whether it was sort of Campbell getting himself off the mark on his return from injury uh, getting him off for the season or yeah, yeah we had sort of uh, Berger's first goal what was it 70 seconds into his home debut uh, Larice's first goal um, we had uh, it was uh, there was that many wasn't there <laughs> Mai Mai that was it yeah Ryan Mai um Sort of got his first goal as well, didn't he? And then obviously, uh, Josh Lennon got a couple to set him off for the season. Um, so yeah, I mean, what what's out of anything? We could have asked for a better night, could we? I mean, the only thing was the, the following night where we got the, the draw that we did, it would have been, you know, it could, have, it could have had a better draw there. But yeah, I think uh, for me, I, Ryan, my, I think I, I was really happy with him, to be fair. I think, yeah, it was a great, really well taken goal. It showed his strengths and what we can look forward to from him, uh, Mike. But it's, to me, I think so far, he's the one who he's showing me what he's got, but it's not quite coming off for him in the main yet. But I think in time, he could be a really good footballer for us. Yeah, he needs, again, I don't want to keep banging on about the same thing, but he needs time to settle in. He's been played down the middle, on the left, on the right. I mean, I appreciate the guy can play in multiple positions, but, you know, when you settle into a new team and a new squad, 
you need a little bit of that consistency. You need to know exactly where your go-to position may be. And he doesn't know that yet. Um, but you're right, that, that Rotherham game, it, you know, he set Tyrese up uh, nicely. Um, he was fully aware of, uh, he had a game plan almost. You know, he, he knew what he had to do at, on that particular game. Uh, I think the one thing for me about the Rotherham match, which I wanted to, to highlight was, I think the previous week, Josh Loren got a lot of abuse. Um, as he did uh, last week, actually. Um, but, you know, he got a lot of stick uh, from people and that was a way for Josh to answer his critics a little bit. Um, he bossed in midfield. He scored uh, a great goal. You know, you talk about, you know, I think you said to me, Dan, about like um, our conversion rates and stuff like that for shots and, and all that business. And I think that game, if I'm not mistaken, we had six shots on target and we scored all six. Like, that's not Stoke at all. Um and on the flip side, Dan, Rotherham are the worst team I've seen come to the Bet365 in many years. They will be rock bottom of this league, I guarantee you. Like, they were shocking. Um, but it was just a really good all-round team performance. And I think as soon as we got to to six, or what was it, around the trying to think, I was around the 70th minute or something like that, that maybe we, we got the six, I can't quite remember. But um, yeah, 72nd minute, that was it. So when we got to six, we could have gone on and got seven, eight, nine, ten. Like we, we could have done whatever we wanted to. We took the foot off the gas um, and we just rode it out. But that was a chance, you know, Loren answers his critics. Berger had a really good game. He was starting to take the pee a little bit with some of his passing to the, he was enjoying his game. Um, Larice, I said to you, I thought Larice had still had a quiet game. I think that's one player who needs to settle in. You know, he scored the goal, good on him. Uh, but I still think he was trying to find his feet. So it was a really dominating performance. One of the key things, however, I will say in a negative way, and we've said it already, to set pieces, we need to sort it out. We are shocking at set pieces. Uh, again, the victim of having so many new players, I think. It's been something that's probably stemmed over from last season as well, hasn't it? It was, it was an issue for us then and continuing to be one now. Um, obviously, we've we'll sort of round off the fixture bit there. Uh, I'll throw some sort of static kind of things out in a minute. But uh, if you could say one positive, one negative from what you've seen in the first month of the season, uh, start with you, Mike. What would you one one up, one down kind of thing be? Okay, one positive is our approach in terms of the market and the football in general, wanting to play attacking style. Absolutely love that. Um, Negative? Um, I guess you just got to be the away form. And that's harsh when we're a couple of games in. Uh, I I hope we're not going to flip it where we win loads of games at home and we don't win a single one away. I hope we don't go down that route. We need to probably win that away game. So I'm struggling for a negative because I think it's very harsh to be negative at this point. But it's just got to be the away form, I suppose. Well, just uh, Tom, same to you, mate. Yeah, I'd say the positive for me is having a clear approach and a clear project. You know, everybody knows what we're aiming for and how we're going to get there. Um, I'd say the negative, um, I, I don't think it's negative because it's to be expected, but yeah, it's just the the end results in the league. I think if you if you include the cup games, it's not as bad, but in the league, obviously, we've either got the two wins, but yeah, for first five games with 17 new players, it's not really a negative, but yeah, I think that's been the most negative thing so far. Cheers, cheers, mate. And Dave, yourself, mate. 
Yeah, I, I think I, I think sort of what what Mike and Tom have, have sort of touched on. Um, I think I think the I think the ambition um, going into the season has has been the the main positive to me. Um, and I, 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 I think again, it's the it's kind of hard to be sort of critical and find a negative this early into the season. But I think I think the I think it might just be one that stemmed from last season. I think it's just the the occasional lapses in judgment, sort of at the back, you know, people losing their man and sort of conceding those those goals that any other day of the week you just sort of kick yourself and think, you know, what are we doing? But it's just something that needs to be ironed out, and I'm I'm sure I'm sure that that'll be done. Well, so what we're going to do now is just going to head into sort of looking ahead um, to the. the um the next sort of month between now and the next international window. But before that, I'm just going to throw some stats at you to this season. So, yeah, we currently sit 16th. This time last season, we were 21st. Uh, but the season before that, 21-22, we were actually 5th after five games. Um, so, yeah, we're sort of in the middle of that lot. Uh, we have... Uh, so, five league games in, we are on six points. We only had four this time last season. Uh, we had 10 and 8 in the previous two seasons before that. Uh, one interesting thing, though, is that in the five league games, uh, we didn't pick up a single point in the corresponding games last year. So all the games we played so far, actually, if you include the cup games, we lost last season at home to West Brom and obviously Rotherham. Um, so yeah, we played seven games and we didn't. Uh, we scored one goal in those seven games last season and didn't get a single point at all in any of them. Um, so yeah, to have sort of two wins in the league and two wins in the cup is uh, yes, is a positive and an improvement. Something to be happy about, I'd say. <laughs> um, so give the positives there to, to to cheer everybody up to after the results of the weekend. Um, looking at what we've had so far, so uh, Ben Wilmot has played uh, 598 minutes, which is more than any other player. Um, followed by Josh Loren on 585, uh, Keanu Hoover 556, Mark Travers on 540, uh, and Ender um, Stevens on 450. So they're the, the top five most used players. I think uh, people would have been surprised maybe that Stevens has played as much uh, when he signed. Anyway, Mike, I think uh, people wouldn't have been expecting him to have played five full league games out of five so far, would they? No, I think... Like a lot of people, we thought that Josh Timon might find his way in, or you know, we, we may potentially go out and get a replacement for for them. Um, but yeah, like in fairness to the guy, he's he's come in. I think his first game was a little bit meh, but uh, yeah, he's he's come in down and he's he's been pretty solid. You can't really fault the guy. So, um, but he, I suppose we really shouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's got plenty of experience behind him. Like you know, he's got promotion experiences. He's he's got plenty of games under his belt. Like we shouldn't be surprised that he can he can handle himself. And if we look at you know the likes of Morgan Fox, who clearly that's who's kind of replacing, um, it's no, certainly no worse than a Morgan Fox. So uh, yeah, it's positive. Well, and uh, obviously from our man in the match polls, now we haven't included the Preston game because it hasn't been settled yet. Um, but yeah, without that, Andre Vidal leads the way on 131. Uh, ben Wilmot is second on 92. Josh Loren in third in 86, which will surprise a few people. Like Mark was sort of saying there, he's had a bit of stick so far this season, but he's up there in third place on our table here. 
Uh, Mark Travers is his fourth on 82. He's the only player to have more than one man a match. Unfortunately for him, they've both been in defeats to both the away games. Um, and then the round of the top five is McNally uh, with 74 points, putting him in fifth place. Uh, any surprises there for you, Tom? Obviously, I mentioned sort of Loren and that. Um, anybody you, you think will be uh, up and included in that top five that's not there yet? Um, I've got on a limb, I'm going to say Bajan Ho will be in, in the top five at least. Um, I think he's just he's just one of them players who the fans are going to fall in love with. I think he's just the energy, you know, his attitude, um, the potential behind him as well. Yeah, I think he'll be top five as soon as he gets going. Yeah, for me, I think he's going to be up there pushing, and I think Berger as well. Uh, I think he's going to nail down that that, that spot. Uh, Dave, anyone, anyone you think? Anyone, any surprises for you, mate? Um. I th- like 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 Tom's just said. I, th- I think Bay's going to be. He's definitely going to be one that's up there. Um, one that I do think is going to definitely sort of try and put his foot in the door is um, Um You know, a, a lot of people have said that there's there's some comparisons to to an Arnie type player, uh, someone with a bit of swagger. Um, I think I think if he has if he has the attitude to to be a functioning member of the squad and and back it up with the with the the talent that a lot of people know that he has got, you know I, I think he can he can definitely be one that will that will put himself about this season. Yeah, for sure. I think he's like I say he's uh, apparently a very not blessed with masses of pace from what the Celtic fans are saying, um, but has got more than more than one or two tricks up his sleeve to. To um, leave fullbacks in his wake, so yeah, definitely one that um, I'll be happy to see. I mean, if he's any anything like our Twitch was, then he will certainly go down uh, a treat in my book. Um, so now looking forward, we obviously we've got this international break now, which uh, love them all over them. They're here, <laughs> um, and then we've got a nice uh, run of fixtures. Starting with Norwich away. Now, Mike, first of all, Norwich away on the back of two weeks training with all these new players and that. Who, I mean, it's a bit early to ask for your team as such, especially when off on the jetting off around the world. We don't know who's going to come back. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, they will come back fit. But, um, yeah, is there anybody you will be clambering, any changes you'll be clambering at this stage to make? Well, Vidigal, uh got to be coming straight back in. Uh, I think he'll be fit and which is which is good uh, for obvious reasons. So I think uh, definitely see Vidigal in. Uh, I'm, I'm more intrigued to see what we do on the flanks. Um, Tyrese against Preston didn't have a great game. Um, it does make a difference how long he was on that pitch. He would never have scored. Uh, so I'd, I'd be interested to see whether he starts him uh, because maybe Juno might be one to start on one wing and then uh, the guy that I can't pronounce on, on the other. Uh, we've got a, a lot of different options there. Maybe Mai will be back fit, who knows. Um, so I'd say I'm more intrigued to see what he does up there uh, at the end of the pitch. I think the defence and everything takes care of itself. I mean, it, yeah, it doesn't. it's not really difficult for that one. So, yeah, I think that's probably what I'd say from that one, Dan. And, uh, yeah, I can't give you the, the full team. Um 
I think against Norwich is going to be bloody difficult. Uh, again, it's never easy going there uh, uh, once again. So I said to Tom earlier, I can see us losing this one. Um, but all the positive talk tonight has made me go for a 1-1 draw. So I'm going to go 1-1. Okay, Rob. Um, so just going to the comments there, just going back slightly from where we were. Mark Jackson says Gooch is a good shout for top five after last week's performance. Uh, yes, Mark. I think he he shows very promising wanting that cameo, and um, I think he on a Hoover especially will be uh, breathing over his shoulder because the manager more than once now has sort of hooked him quite early on, anti. So. I think he knows that uh, his place could well be up for grabs if he doesn't pull his socks up. Um, now, Tom, this sort of mini spell we've got coming up here, um, so me and Mark talk about there, we've got seven games in the space of 21 days. Five of them are away, including trips to Norwich. Uh, we've got trips to Norwich. We've got a trip to Bournemouth. We've got a trip to Bristol City. So... They're not the closest of trips, um, are they? So, how do you could the, the the strength of the squad be a key thing in this sort of period we've got coming up? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, you're going to see the same thing with all all of the teams. To be fair, um, I think that's a key factor in this league is depth because once you know you start hitting these periods where you're playing three games in seven days. You've, you've got to have depth, it's simple as that, because you're going to get injuries, you're going to get people who are feeling a bit tight, who need to have a rest. And that's where you're going to see the, see the difference between the teams at the top and the teams at the bottom. Um, I think in previous years, we've we've kind of had an 11 that's all right. As soon as one of them goes, we're, we're screwed, essentially, which we saw last year after that purple patch. As soon as, I can't remember who it was, who got injured, but as soon as they got injured the replacement came in and we just crumbled um, and that's one thing I think that we stand out against a lot of teams this season is the depth um, I don't think there's any position at the minute where if someone got injured I would not be happy with who came in to replace them so far anyway um, obviously that could change once we get further into the season um, but yeah I'm, I'm happy with the depth and I think we should be able to ride it out. Dave, like I say, we've, we've got some sort of trips coming up here. And we've only got the home games against sort of Southampton and Hull, uh, both of which are actually like, televised as well. So, you know, one, one's a Sunday and the other one uh, sticks us Tuesday anyway. Um, but do you so do you feel that the fact we've got the, the attacking options that we have, I mean, like Tom's talked very well there about us, the, the strength and depth that we've got and then be able to change players all over the pitch. For me, I think when we've got so many games in short space of time, usually it's your attacking players, the ones that rely on um, sort of the burst of, uh, of pace and power and creativity and that. They're the ones, to me, who suffer most when you have a lot of games. Like Usually a couple of central halves or whatever, they can get through um, games, for example, uh, you know, numerous games in a short space of time. But I think where you see a drop off in performance, like I say, is your attacking ones. And we now have a plethora of, of attacking options. And the manager, can, can you see us maybe just changing all three? Well, we've got three in a week. Where we go, um, you know, three changes. It's the front three, and then the next game they change back to what they were, and, what, and vice versa. 
yeah, I, I, I can see us. Um, I can see us having to sort of chop and change as we go. Um, I don't think Vidigal's going to be one of those players that's that's going to be able to play ninety minutes every single game because the the work rate that he puts in, which he showed against Ipswich, you know, he likes to trap back and sort of drop deep to pick the ball up. He's not going to be one that's that's getting ninety minutes every game. Um, and and we have got the the options like like you say. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a funny one. It's I can I can see Wesley playing pretty much every game because he's he's not one of those players that's blessed with pace. You know the work that he puts in, you can't fault him. So I can see him sort of being the focal point for most of those games. But it's it's all dependent on the on the defenses that you're going to be coming up against. Um, so so it. it it's hard to judge at the moment. I think if we if we come back from the international break and the front three that we put out against Norwich is, you know, they they, they end up having some sort of miracle game and, and firing us to a, a convincing win, you know, they might be the the sort of backbone of of the attacking structure that we'll go for for the the next the next games following on. Um, but it, it's just it's just difficult to call at the moment. Um, but I'd, I'd like I'd like to think that when we get back, the front three that goes out against Norwich, they're going to be they're going to be the, the the main three that will be will be playing for all of those seven fixtures. But seven in the space of of twenty one days, you're averaging a game every three days. It's it's a big ask for for three main players to sort of maintain. In, in that space of time. I think, like I say, the, the freshness in attack is, is definitely what we we need, in my opinion. Um, obviously, what we have got, Mike, is we've got the, the cup game against Bournemouth. Do you think, we, we're having so many games and that, that the manager, if he comes to that, you know, depend, do you think he's maybe dependent on results against Norwich, Huddersfield and Hull? just what team we send down to Bournemouth or do you think he'll give it a go anyway? I think a lot of it's going to depend down on on the on those results to be honest. I think yes he will obviously want a a cup run potentially but it's not going to be at the detriment of the league. I think he's going to do a bit of a Pulis <laughs> for like Valencia type scenario. I think the league will come first. Um so yeah, I think Ben Pearson's going to want to play that obviously. Uh, we we obviously got the Mark Travers are we? Have we got an agreement that he can play? Well, I would I, be surprised. I, yeah, I, 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 spent, I was um, doing something for a Bournemouth uh, podcast on Mark Travers um, last weekend. They seem to believe that he can't play. Uh, they said they were trying; they were just waiting to get confirmation from the club. But as far as from what they've been told from people at the club, it, it, he can't play. So that's us at the cup then. Great. <laughs> cheers, cheers, Bonham. Um, <laughs> So yeah, again, they're going to want to, to to do well. I think it's going to be a chance for. I don't know who's going to throw like a Sadibi in there. I think that'd be a big ask. Um, but yeah, I think like Dave's kind of alluded to. I think there's going to be a lot of mixing around, a lot of swapping and changing. So I think he will prioritise the league, and I want him to prioritise the league. We've. I I'd rather go for the FA Cup. Uh, I know we're not going to win it, obviously, but I'd rather just pour efforts into the FA Cup. Um, I'm not that asked about this one, if I'm honest with you, Dan. If we can get through, great. I would have much rather a Salford or somebody like that uh, at home. Um, 
I'm I'm not bothered if we go out of that one personally, and I will not be making the 400 mile round trip. What we can't have though, Mike, I work I work in an environment where there are Vale fans, and they're very quiet most of the time. But occasionally, when they get the opportunity, they're very very quickly to tell me they've done something better than we have. And um, are they, they playing Bournemouth? Are they Dan? Sorry. Are they playing Bournemouth, are they? Because if they're talking about beating the likes of Salford, then they can do one. Uh, it's not even Salford. I think it's Sutton, isn't it? They've got it at home. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so, say, oh, we're better than you because we say, beat an irrelevant yeah, team. Yeah, okay. they'll be. They are in the last 16 and we, we will be out is not something I want to know. Uh, not a situation I want to come across. So, if you are listening to this, Alex Neil, please make sure you set the side that can at least give off a game. For Dan's Dan's sanity um, in the following days after that fixture, uh, right? Let, let's round this off now. Just read you what games we've got. So we've got Norwich away on the Saturday, followed by Huddersfield away on the Wednesday, Hull at home on the Sunday, and then we've got the Bournemouth trip on the Wednesday, followed by Bristol City at her, away on the Saturday, Southampton at home on the Tuesday, and Leicester away on the Saturday. How many points? And are we going? Are we still going to be in, or are we out of the cup from those seven fixtures? Tom, start with yourself. How many points, mate? So earlier we had the four league games. So I said we'd lose at Norwich, beat Huddersfield away, beat Hull at home, and draw against Bristol City away. And then the Southampton and Leicester games. <sighs> Depending on how we've done in the previous four, I can't see us getting anything in all honesty. Um, so I'm going to go seven points from the six league games and the Bournemouth game in the cup. In all honesty, I hope he just knows the under 23s on and we get knocked out and it's over and done with because there's enough games as it is. And I, I wouldn't play any of the main 11 or what would be imagined to be the main 11 against them because if we lose then we're just getting them knackered for no reason fair enough um, Dave yourself how, how are you feeling you've got there's six league games there and the Rotherham and the Rotherham well, we'd like to be playing Rotherham in the cup again <laughs> and the, the Bournemouth cup game uh, how many points are you feeling mate I, I think I might go the same same route as, as Tom here and just sort of go through the fixtures Um I'd like to think that we'd we'd get something from Norwich, but it is a big ask because you know they've they've shifted away from the 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 sort of poor season that they had last season. Um, so I think if we get a draw there, I'll be happy. Uh, I could see us getting a win at Huddersfield. Um, I'd like to think that we'd be prepared enough and you know firing well enough to beat Hull. Um, my my fanciful side's thinking that we're going to smash Bournemouth and we'll win the League Cup, but we know that that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see us go through, um, but it, it's it's a tough ask. You know, we're not going to have the usual away following down there. Bristol City is going to be a very tough game. Southampton are going to come and give us give us a right run around, um, but they you know they went to Sunderland and they lost five nil there. Uh, and I can't see us beating Leicester with with how well they're performing. So I think you know, smash Bournemouth in the cup, and I'd like to hope out of those six league fixtures that we could maybe pick up 
pick up nine or ten points. I don't know if I'm being a bit unrealistic there, but that, that's what I'd that's what I'd like to to see from the boys. Yeah, very positive. I like it. And uh, Mike, how are you, how many points are you going with? Very similar, actually. Um, a point against Norwich. Uh, I think might be a stretch. I've changed my prediction from a loss. I might change it again by the time we do the Norwich preview podcast. Um, <laughs> so yeah, points against Norwich. Three points against Huddersfield. I'm going to go to away to Huddersfield for that one. Um, a point against Hull at home. I don't. I think Hull are pretty decent, and we're on TV. Never ends well. Uh, we're going to get knocked out against Bournemouth. We're going to get a point against Bristol. We're going to get three points against Southampton. I just think they're like us when when we came down. I think they're all over the place. Um, Sunderland hammered them five 0 the weekend. I agree with you guys. We're not going to beat Leicester uh, away from home. So I'm not sure how many that was. I think that's probably about nine points, I think. So, yeah, I think that'll be an okay return because then we've got the likes of Sunderland and Leeds and Middlesbrough. We need to have some points because those are quite tricky games after that. They're all tricky, but those next three after that are very tricky. Yeah, I think Norwich... We get the odd win there, aren't we? But it just feels to me like it's never been a, a great hunting ground. Um, but they are missing Josh Sargent, which apparently, you know, I say, well, apparently, obviously, you feel like he's going to be a loss. But Norwich fans are basically saying, you know, without him, it's completely uh, altered the way they play and everything. They're not as effective. Um, so I think we'll get at least a point there, Carrow Road. Um, I think we, we will get three points at Huddersfield. Which I think will just just set us up nicely away from home. I think we we'll probably we would we needing an away win by that point. Um, again, Hull, yeah, I could probably see a draw. Sunday, twelve o'clock kickoffs. Never never good games are they? Everyone's still half asleep, including the players most of the time. Um, so yeah, that puts us on five. I think that Bournemouth in the cup. I'd like to think that if we all maybe send an half decent side down and they may just put an half decent half side out as well and we could probably just sneak it on penalties that's what I'm going to go with uh, just because I don't want to see us go out of the cup unlike you miserable gits I don't want to see us go through and have more games <laughs> um, Bristol City I, I, I don't think we ever get anything there do we I don't know Fletch scores Maybe at the bar, that was a, I know there was one time. But Bristol City, we very rarely get anything from Ashton Gate, so I'm going to go with nothing there, actually. Uh, I think we beat Southampton. I know that they got beat by Sunderland, didn't they, quite heavily at the weekend. And uh, sort of the group chat that we were in, Mike, there was somebody who said uh, they, they'd seen them play at the first game of the season and they thought we'd, they'd cause some trouble because uh, they're just not as good as, as people make out. And actually, the same applies to Leicester City. Um, somebody actually said to a, to a whole sporter we sort of in contact with the same thing. They think they played Leicester first couple of games and were like, "Well, you know, they they're all over the place defensively, and they you know they're not they, they're sort of masking over a lot of the problems early doors." And uh, you know, if you if you can get yourself a team with a bit of flair and and, and sort of well drilled, then you will cause them problems. If you if you don't sort of open yourself up and let them cut through you, then then you, you can get something from that game. So Hull, Hull have shown the way. They've given us the blueprint, haven't they, last week? So let's see if we can 
by the time that we should be well, they should well know each other after how many games we've got to play together there. Seven, like I say, seven in three weeks. So yeah, I'm going quite positive. Apart from Bristol City, I'm going quite positive on all them. Um, then fixtures. I'm looking forward to them. Uh, yeah, that that Bristol City game for me is probably going to be the hardest one out of a lot, just just because of past records. I mean, look at look at Preston, eighteen new players, but we still we still can't beat them at home since two thousand and seven. Um, right, yo. So there's one more thing that we're going to do before we do wrap this up. So you put a nice little thing out on Twitter earlier on, didn't you, Mike? So you wanted to know people's favourite moments, worst moments, star performer, best atmosphere, has it gone as you expected, and hopes until Christmas. So John Oldfield replied, he has been on this podcast before, and he replied saying that his favourite moment was Vidigal's goal v Watford. The worst was Preston's second. Uh, star performer is Jared Dublin, a man we haven't really mentioned on this pod, but a man who we've, um, we and particularly South Mark have given him a lot of praise since he's come in, and rightly so. Uh, the best atmosphere was the Rotherham in the first half. I take it John means the league game and not the, the cup game. Um, no, he says he's slightly better than expected. Which is good. And he hopes that the team gels together and keep ticking away to stay in the top half. Uh, I will definitely take that, mate, at Christmas. If we're still in the top half, that would be fantastic. Uh, Rich, so at HawkDew25, says the crowd v Watford in the final 10 minutes, raising the volume to spare the team on. It's been a long time since we had that. So that was his favourite moment. His worst was the Preston defeat. Star performer is Vidigal. Best atmosphere was Watford. Uh, largely better than he, than he thought he was going to do and uh, he hopes for steady improvements, win more than we lose and make the 365 for Fortress again uh, I think with something we've said is you know, we've, we've already got half the amount of home wins that we had in the entire last season so if we carry on at that rate then you know that is only that's going to help us um, get the fan, keep the fans on board and like say make the 365 a Fortress uh, Simon Lowe, somebody we will be sitting down with and talking to very soon won't we Mike? Um but he says favourite moment was Vidigal's goal against Watford. Um, yeah, fantastic strike that was. His worst is the team sheet v Millwall. <laughs> so yeah, two o'clock and uh, that's that Saturday afternoon was Simon's worst uh, point of the season. Uh, star performer is Andre Vidigal. He says we missed him terribly versus Preston. Um, best atmosphere was the last few minutes versus Watford. Great spearing on, showed renewed belief from the fans. Um, so yeah, that's the second time that's been mentioned. Uh, not yeah, it's good enough, but early days, crucial next seven games, and need to up the intensity in battling this league is tough. So next, uh, we've got Pigeon Man five six two. Vidigal versus Watford was his favourite moments. That's coming through now. Also, Alex Lewis uh, also says the same thing. Uh, Pigeon Man says seen the uh, seen the Millwall lineup. So yeah, he must have <laughs> been peeking at Simon Street there. Uh, Vidigal's a star man. Uh, same as Alex Alex uh, Lewis says Ipswich away uh, was the worst. Whereas Alex Lewis says second half away at Millwall. Uh, pretty much. Um, so no, Pigeon Man says no. It's not uh, better better than he thought it was going to be and uh, Alex says pretty much team needs to gel though uh, Pigeon Man hopes that it will still be alive in the playoff race at Christmas whereas Alex says we would like to see a settled team and patterns of play emerge uh, we also had loads of promise heading in the right direction but we need to be patient 
overall as a whole, I think it's kind of been a beginning that I expected personally anyway. Um, I think one thing you will say is, you know, you can, you can kind of tell that he's getting to know what he's 11 or, um, and now we've got a two-week break and we've got, you know, every player in that we're going to be starting the season off with. So there's going to be no more of this new players arriving and integrating. It's going to be, this is our squad. Let's focus on them. Who plays where? Who can do what? And for me, this is when the season starts now. Look, great words. And Dave, anything from yourself, mate, before we, before we uh, finish up? Yeah, just a quick one. Um, obviously, after the Preston game, we, we sort of saw a few of the, the the negative Nellies come out of the woodwork. Um, I, I think the I think the main thing for for us as as realistic Stoke fans to to do our, our main job is just to remain behind the team and and sort of you know make sure that we're spurring them on. If 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 we're sort of still having the the lax results come Christmas time, that's when we can start to you know sort of get a bit impatient. Uh, but but Rome wasn't built in a day. We're, we're sort of in the the same. I know we we as realistic fans know that we're not we're not Arsenal, but we're in the sort of same transitional period that Arsenal were in after Emery left and and Arteta took over. You know, it, it took him a season a season and a half to really stake stake a claim as a decent side. So just just remain behind the boys. Make sure that we're we're spurring them on, and and just have a bit of faith in in what Alex Neal's trying to do. That's it. The fans who try and keep on side, aren't we? And you know, keep the faith, like you say. I think it's it's all about now building something. I think the key is going to be patience, isn't it? We we need to stick together. I think I've said it on the on the pod that there's going to be bumps in the road. It's not going to be plain sailing because it just it just won't be with the with the overhaul we've had. Um, there's going to be games like Preston. There's going to be games like Ipswich, but there's also going to be games like Watford and and, and the Rotherham games. So we've just got to hope that in time we have less Millwalls, less Prestons, and we have more Rotherhams and more Watfords um, as time goes on. Um, so yeah, I think yeah for me, I think that that sort of rounds it up. Rounds up. I think we've been on here a couple of hours. Hopefully, we've entertained everybody and you know give you a good night of listening listening to us guys. Following next week, we are going to be uh, back uh, with our preview podcast for Norwich. When hopefully our uh, you know the the uh, near double digits of Stoke players who've got out on international duty this week have all returned complete with their cotton wool kits that we've sent them all out in, so they don't get injured because you know that would just sum up the way we go (laughs) Uh, but yes thank you for joining us all tonight and uh, yeah up the potters away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.